everybody. Welcome back to Sacred City Vision Drip. Pastor Sam here. I'm, I'm by myself today. Um, I've really enjoyed the conversation that I had with our, our elders. I'm giving you a chance to get to know them a little bit and hear some of their stories. Um, and I've sat down already and had a couple of conversations with others that I'm excited to share with you here in the coming future. Uh, but today, what I want to do is sit down by myself um, and and talk to you uh, about a, an important topic that, that I think um, over the years, I've, I've begun to see just how important this topic is, uh, especially in view of our mission to make disciples, plant churches, and renew the city. And the subject that we're talking about today is education. And what I want to do uh, with edu- this, this discussion of education, I, I realize that there are a lot of questions that circulate around this topic. Um, you might be wondering where we stand as a church. All, all of our elders, um, we have uh, none of our kids are in public schools, and you, you've heard me speak out about uh, public schools before. I think I've done a podcast here, if you remember back when um, the Satanist Club was starting in Moline, and I, I I made a podcast about that. It's probably about a year, two years ago, um, talking about those things. Uh, I've made mention of of education and sermons as the the text calls for it. And so it's something that um, is definitely on the radar, something I I personally care about quite a bit, so much so um, that I, uh, for the last year and a half or so, I've been on on the school board at my kids' classical Christian school. Um, And it's something that I I do think is a really, really important um, facet of our mission to make disciples and to renew our city. And so I wanted to dive into this topic and uh, kind of start start at, at ground zero and start building up and, and exploring um, the different options that are out there and then and then thinking as Christians what what does God call us to what are what do we need to do when it comes to educating our children? Uh, and so I, I hope that this, first of all, is just, I hope it's a profitable conversation. Obviously, it's its just me talking at a mic, uh, looking at this the my, my uh, sound bars as they kind of go up and down with my voice here. Um, so it, it's not very conversational. It's more of a, uh, you know, it's sort of a presentation of sorts. Um, a monologue, if you will. Um, but I do hope that this sparks conversation with your missional community leaders, or if this is something that you would like to talk to me about or any of our elders, man, we would certainly be glad to sit down uh, and work through some of the complexities of this conversation. But I do hope that I can can get to some of the things, uh, at least some of the, the most often spoken about things, and provide a framework for this conversation. And, and I think one of the first things that we need to do is acknowledge um, that Education is part of God's creational design. When when He told Adam and Eve to fill the earth and subdue it, uh, I think wrapped up inside of that cultural mandate um, is the mandate to to build. Uh, educational institutions. Inside of that mandate, it, it necessitates um, passing down information from one generation to the next, and, and so that that generation can learn from the generations that have gone before it, and, and those generations that have gone before us have built institutions, and they've cult- cultivated a certain kind of society based on the educational values that we share, um, and and so that, that next generation can take that information, they can appreciate what they have, uh, they can preserve what's good there and then to build off of that and to um, you know to, to advance society as culture changes and shifts so a, as we look at education we need to realize uh, that this is part of God's design um, is is to 
to pass down information from one generation to the next. And I think that that if you boil education down, um, that's really what it is. That that it, it it's this passing of information, passing of knowledge down from generation to generation. Um, and so God God created the world to work in that way. The generation that each generation needs to obtain information from the generation before. Now, um, I, I want to to begin by by identifying what the scriptures say is the beginning of knowledge or the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 1 verse 7 tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, that fools despise wisdom and instruction. And if you jump to Proverbs chapter 9, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so we see here, scripture tells us that that every educational endeavor needs to begin with the fear of the Lord. It needs to, it needs to begin with this understanding of who God is, um, what he's like, what he's done in the world, um, the fact that he's created the world, um, what this world is for, how it works, things of, of that nature. And I think that's ultimately what what education revolves around from, from personal relationships um, and, and how you understand, uh, like literature, for example, gives us insight. You, you read a great story and you see how relationships work. You see how, how mathematics works. You see how science works. You see how, how all these various aspects aspects, grammar and, and logic, how those things work, um, reading and writing, all of it. it. It has to do with obtaining some kind of knowledge, and all all uh, pursuit of knowledge must begin with the fear of the Lord. And and so I think as Christians, we need to start there and understand that, that education um, is not a neutral thing. Education cannot be a neutral thing. Um, it's either going to begin with the fear of the Lord, or it's going to begin with a, uh, a glorification of man, I think. Um, so it's one or the other, fear of the Lord or a glorification of, of man. And, uh, and of course, as Christians, uh, we want to, to have a fear of the Lord. We want to understand who God is, what he's done, uh, what he's created, who he's created us to be, what the world's like, how the world works best. We, we want to explore all of those things. And so it has to begin with the fear of the Lord. Now, uh, I think, uh, um, as you assess, if you, if you objectively look out at um, what the, the most common educational system is uh, in our, our society, our country today, it's the public school system, the government schools, um, schools that are, are funded by taxpayer dollars. Um, these, over the decades, um, you have seen the fear of the Lord driven out of the school. It used to be that the schools um, were uh, of Christian persuasion, um, a very sort of a mere Christianity sort of, of thing, very basic. Not every school had sort of a doctrinal stance on on um, eschatology or baptism or things of that nature, but the, it all began with an understanding that, that God is God and we're not. In fact, if you go back to the founding documents of our country, um, that that is all very evident from the Declaration of, of Independence to uh, the Constitution to, um, to even our state constitutions that we have. Almost every single state has some sort of acknowledge, uh, acknowledgement for uh, God and, and operates under our God-given rights and freedoms that we have received through Christ our Lord. Yet in the, in the public school system, um, catechisms, Bibles, prayer has been driven out. And with that, too, has uh, fear of the Lord been driven out. And so this, this uh, just even at face value, at first pass, um, if we look 
uh, and give Proverbs 1, Proverbs 9 the weight that they deserve, we see that there's a, a problem with public school and the way that it's it's become and how the fear of the Lord has been driven out. Now, I'm, I'm saying this stuff, uh, and, and some of the stuff that I say will be critical, um, but but I don't do, I'm not trying to do this in a condemning way. Um, I'm not trying to condemn um, people who, who have not given the thought to um, these various aspects of, of, of Christian, Christian education um, and how, you know, how, how his Christians are, are called by God to take certain approach to education. I, I don't want to, I want this to be helpful. And so um, I want to first get, give sort of the encouragement here um, to, to avoid a knee-jerk reaction, sort of an emotional reaction to the subject, um, and, and really objectively uh, assess the current situation of our school systems. Um, and then and then as we do that, we're going to explore some of the alternatives out here. But but we have to first we have to first examine this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Um, and so if we as Christians want our kids to become knowledgeable, if we want them to become wise, um, we we have to do so in reference to the Lord our Creator. And and again that's that's not something that currently is going on in public Public school system. Now, one of the things, one of the pieces of this this dialogue um, that goes around Christians and public schools, um, there's a few things that that I, I think are, you know, th- there are there are a few things that that I'm going to try to address here, and, and it is quite a broad topic. So I'm gonna I'm still gonna try to keep this as concise as possible, and and of course this will probably be a, a couple part series here, um, but. But talking about these things, having the fear of the Lord at the forefront of our mind and understanding that is the gateway into knowledge. Um, and, and so our, our public schools um, have abandoned that. And, and what you hear them saying is, well, we need, we need a neutral education. We don't need a Christian education. We don't need to be Bible thumpers. We, don't want, we want to provide an education um, for all people. Um, and so we're, we're going to try to strip away all of the morality, all of, of the religiosity, all of the standards and ethics that Christianity carries and try to operate from a neutral playing field. Now, I understand that. I understand in the public school system there are there are all kinds of different faith and denominational backgrounds. There, you've got, you've got, um, you've got Muslims, you've got secularists, you have agnostic folks, atheists, you've got Christians, you've got Catholics. You've, you really have a wide variety of different people in school systems. And what happens is when you remove um, when you remove the Christian persuasion, you remove a biblical framework for education, you don't you don't land in neutrality. You end up with something else, something else that carries moral values, something else that that carries a a worldview, certain values, um, and, and and so it's it's not whether. Uh, there's a worldview at play. It's which worldview is at play when it comes to education. Which values, which morals, which ethics are we operating by? And so, what's happened in the the um, education sphere and in, in moving away from from Christian values, we've we've moved into secularism. In fact, um, I, I would say that right now, uh, it. it the 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 public school education is a a breeding ground for secular ideologies. It's going to train kids to be antagonistic towards uh, the authority of Scripture. It's going to be uh, cause kids to question 
um, and push back against the lordship of Jesus Christ. And, and what this is going to do instead, rather than have reverence or a fear for the Lord, it's going to end up in a glorification of man. It's going to become a uh, a Babel, Tower of Babel situation of, of look at how good we are. Look at what we've accomplished um, by our own merit, by our own strength, by our own reasoning. Um, but but when you get to the end product, what you have is somebody who really doesn't have any foundation to stand on. And so for our kids, what we want to give them is is a foundation to stand on, a foundation to build their life on, a skill set, morals, values that they have that, will, that they'll carry with them um, for the rest of their life. And so uh, the secularization of the educational system um, is counterproductive to that. In fact, one of the, and this is not just true in your, your run-of-the-mill um, the public schools, you know, your city schools or whatever it is, this goes all the way up into upper learning as well in, in getting into the secondary schools and higher education where where this is sort of the default. This is uh, a very much a secularistic worldview that's getting passed on to our children. And unfortunately, what goes on when kids don't have a an education that complements um, what they're being taught on Sundays or what they're, they're learning in family uh, devotionals and, and those family worship moments, you get you have this competition of worldviews and because of of the fact that they spend eight hours a day in a classroom and only one hour a week in church or or say maybe you got a couple hours of family discipleship devotions going on at the dinner table um, they're there it's they have a uh, a um, what's the word I'm looking for an unbalanced um, they have an unbalanced consumption of secular worldview compared to their Christian worldview. And, and a lot of these kids, unfortunately and sadly, I mean, this grieves me a lot to think of. Um, a lot of kids that grew up in the church end up walking away because their education has has really rattled them to the core and, and they no longer have the ability to stand on a foundation. And I think this is what Jesus is talking about when in the Sermon on the Mount when he's talking about the sinking sand, um, building your life. Um, on on the rock of Christ, um, instead of the sand that gives way when the wind and the rains come, and uh, and it washes that 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 builder out. And so we want to give our kids uh, an education that gives them a foundation, and that foundation um, hinges on uh, the fear of the Lord. Now, with this, we also need to observe that there has been a bit of a divorce that's gone on between um, the idea of of education and discipleship. And one of the things that that I am very passionate about, um, that I care deeply about, is helping parents understand that education is a subset of discipleship. And so when we sit down and we teach our kids to pray, when we teach them scripture and, and help them to memorize God's word and, and work through catechism question and answers together, what we want to do is provide an education that complements that work, all of that labor. And, and it's so easily, a lot of times it, it's washed out. The good stuff that they learn at home and in church gets washed out or, or sort of um, strong-armed um, by just the fact that they've been saturated with other worldviews, um, and it, it creates a shaky foundation. So one of the things that we need to do is graft um, 
the the uh, idea of education back into the concept of discipleship. And, and what discipleship is, uh, foundationally, is about learning. Um, when Jesus says, um, come come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest, one of the next things he says is, is come and learn from me. Um, come learn from me. There's this educational aspect of following Jesus. And in fact, that, that's really what discipleship is. If you go back um, to, to the first century and, and back even further than that to be a disciple, of, of a teacher or a rabbi meant to study their way, um, to study, to, to learn the information that they have and study their way of life. Because what you know, what you believe is going to influence what you say and what you do. Out of the heart, uh, the mouth speaks. Out of the heart, the body acts. Out of the heart, all of our life um, becomes manifest. And so we want to make sure that our heart is set on the Lord and, and operating on uh, His Word. Um, and so we, we need to have this understanding that, that education is truly a subset of discipleship. Therefore, we need to think of, of education in ways, asking the question, is is my approach, and we're going to talk about the different approaches to education or, or the different ways to go about educating our children, is my approach to education um, productive? Um, does it complement what I'm trying to do in my family discipleship and the discipleship of my kids? And unfortunately, um, looking now at what, and, and times have changed a lot, so um, maybe this conversation uh, wasn't as pressing um, 80 years ago as it is now, um, where things have shifted very quickly in the public school system and, and things that, like that, um, where we need to be examining it is, is what I'm doing, is what I'm sending my kids to, um, helping them in their love for Jesus, growing their affections for Jesus, is it helping them to live the way of Jesus, um, or is it doing something that actually is, is destructive toward that? And I think that when you make those assessments, um, it's, it's very plain to see. In fact, there's been a helpful study that was released uh, a number of years ago, Notre Dame University um, conducted the survey and it assessed the different um, let me see, I might even have it pulled up right here. Um, it, it assessed the different ways of educating children, and, and it basically, it assessed it um, on, a, on a biblical worldview, trying to tr- tr- uh, chart the the possession of, of a biblical worldview from the different methods of education. And um, one of the things that... Um, that gets highlighted is how that the public education from 1988, and you can go actually to the Nehemiah Institute. This, it's it's published on their website, and they let's see, they released this in 2017. So, or, or just after their study stopped at 2017. So, from 1988 to 2017, they they charted um, the worldview position of high school youth from within the Christian community. So, these are kids who grew up going to youth group, going to church on Sundays, doing family devotions. Um, and and of these students, they took a sampling from 117,000 students. So this isn't not just like a hey, we're gonna we're gonna hunker down in one spot and, and ask just a small um, sampling of people these questions. It's quite a large. Um, uh, they've got a large sampling here, and over a thousand schools were represented in in this survey. And what they found was that. Um, uh, over the years, secularism has gotten prevalent within the public schools, so that should not be a surprise based on anything that I've said, um, that it, it's dove into secularism and, and and I would even say straight up socialism, um, that 
and even right now, it says 90% of youth are in this bottom box um, that marks um, kids who have received uh, a public school education um, and, uh, and, and some of those kids who have, have received traditional Christian school education. So we'll talk about some of the differences here. Um, now, on this graph, above that, that's writing around the biblical worldview line um, that's operating in the realm of biblical theism, and it kind of goes, it, it's on a scale from at the bottom of secularism. Um, in the middle, you have moderate Christians. So you see the Christian values. You see the the, um, the remnant of Christian values at play here. And then you have biblical theism, which is operating from a, a thoroughly Christian worldview. Um, and what you see that most uh, the homeschool kids and kids who have, have been educated in a biblical worldview Christian school or a classical Christian school um, tend to be more in the domain of the moderate and and biblical theism realm of of the uh, the chart here, and so th- this is actually I mean again you can check out uh, um, Notre Dame University study that they did, and then here the Nehemiah Institute put put all this stuff together, um, but you can see that there is certainly a difference in outcome um, between public school secular education and um, Christian homeschooling and biblical worldview Christian schools, um, and, and so there there are places I, I think this is evidence here that there are certain places that are more conducive to discipling our children to to complementing the discipleship than others, and and so th- these are all um, I, I'm laying this out here to. Again, not to condemn, but to, to put some uh, some objective evidence for um, for what's going on in the school system, and ask the question: Is this what we want? Uh, do we want our kids to become more and more secularized? Again, these are Christian kids; these are kids who grew up going to church. Do we want them to become bombarded with secularism? And in the in the um, the Notre Dame study that they did, um, it, it shows like. Um, Kids who have have left the church, kids who are still participating with the church, and what you see the, the those families, those kids that are in these institutions that are are hovering around the moderate Christian and biblical theism um, spectrum of the of the worldview chart here, um, you, you see that they remain with the church. They th- it's not that they're unexposed to differing ideas, um, and again, this is something that we're going to work out here further on down the road, um, but they are. Uh, but they're exposed to the, uh, these ideas in a way that they're able to um, logically and rationally work through um, and, and to be able to interact with ideas in a way that doesn't completely devastate them. Where, where in these, these more neutral, air quotes there, neutral in ed- educational systems, um, it, it is very much the opposite where you see more, more kids um, deconstructing their faith or walking away from the faith or apostatizing. Um, and so it, it's, it's very clear based on this chart here that um, that what you do with your kids as it comes to education matters. It carries it carries profound things. Now, that doesn't mean that God won't intervene at some time. A kid who's gone to public school and has has deconstructed and and went full on in the the liberal stream of our culture doesn't mean that God can't save them out of it. Um, it just means that it's going to be different. It's going to be it's going to be. Um, they're going to go through a lot of hard years doing that, um, because if, if you reject the fear of the Lord, if if you glorify man, um, then then you're going to end up with a product that is going to actually become very inhumane and uh, and not contribute to human flourishing. 
And so this this really is important for us to understand education as a subset of discipleship, which I think uh, ought to give some credibility here for me as a pastor um, to talk about these matters and and try to help people along in this pursuit. Now, I, I want to say I want to just say a word on on public education. I, there. There, first of all, there are a lot of Christians, faithful Christians, who are in the public school system. I know that we've got f- people here in our church that are in some capacity involved in the public school system. They love their kids. They, In fact, I, I've heard from many of them say that um, that this is kind of a mission field for them as adults, that they... Um, they see this as an opportunity um, for for them to minister to these kids, to share the hope of the gospel with them um, as the Lord provides opportunities, um, even if they have to do so with their hands sort of tied, right? So, so there's certain rules on what they can say and can't say in the classroom unless they've, they've been asked. And so I acknowledge that, and I think that people who, especially um, people who have older kids that have moved on out of the school system um, or out of school age, and they can go back and they can go in and be um, salt and light in a, a dark place like the public schools. I, I thank them. I, I think, I think, man, I, I, in some ways, I wish there were more Christians doing that. Now, at the same time, we, we have a duty to, um, to take care of our own, to take care of our, our immediate family and our church family. And I think that if, if you're an educator and you want to pursue a route in Christian education and you see that there's a lot more opportunity to do discipleship, um, a lot more opportunity to, to cultivate minds in the fear and admonition of the Lord, then, then man, that's, that's great. Um, that, that's fantastic. And, and, and I, more power to you getting involved in, in Christian learning. Um, and, and so I, I want to say that up front. I'm, I'm, again, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to condemn. That's not my goal here. I, I want to work through some of these ideas. Now, before I, I jump um, to, to what I was about to say, I realized that I skipped over a big, big part because I, I referenced Proverbs 1, but the Scripture cer- certainly has far more to say um, on the matter of education than just those couple of verses. In fact, one of the most important verses in the Bible is in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Um, this is the Shema. This is, this is titled, the heading of this passage is called uh, The Great Command. Um, and, and in this passage, um, there's all kinds of references to education. Um, in fact, the fact that God, um, God commanded uh, us to teach. Um, so he says uh, here, now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. There you see some education at play there. That you may do them in the land in which you're going over to possess it. That you may fear the Lord your God. There's the fear of the Lord. That you and your sons, there's your generation and your son's sons by keeping all God's statutes and his commands, which I commanded you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Obviously, they're setting out here, they're, they're uh, getting ready to enter into the promised land after God had the exodus, God bringing them out of Egyptian slavery, which that right there, you know, you talk about being in a hostile territory. Um, that That's what Egypt was like for the Israelites, where um, secularism, the, the the gods of their land, the Egyptian gods, that, that's what their educational system um, was revolving around. So it's very clear that God is saying, hey, we're breaking ways here. Um, we're moving away from that secular state education, and I'm going to instruct 
instruct you. I'm going to give you commands and statutes that not only you need to learn and do them, but your children and your children's children. And then here's the result that's going to go well for you, that, that you're going to actually learn how to live with the grain of the universe. You're going to build institutions that last a long time. You're going to develop a society that's profitable and fair and works for the good of all humanity. And, and so this is what God has in view here as he's laying out this greatest commandment. And so here in, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, here's what we see next. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God. Here's the greatest commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as signs on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts on uh, on your house and on your gates. And so here you see this information that God has passed down through Moses, and Moses is now dispersing that information throughout the Israelites, and then they are supposed to take that information and pass that on to ch- their children. Now, I, I think one, one common uh, misconception about this is that this only applies to, to religious things. This only applies to moral things. But as you see societies develop, you can't have a society um, that is purely, that on, the only focus of the society is religion. You can't have a society. You, you that, that certainly is a central Peace. In fact, um, uh, Van Til says that um, uh, r- uh, culture is religion externalized, um, and so that that's true. But there's other aspects um, as far as the sciences of machinery, of economics, of various aspects that also need to be taught. In fact, God has a lot of rules. God has a lot of commandments and statutes about um, various things that a lot of times we think the Bible doesn't touch on that, but the Bible does. And so we need to go to the Bible and see what the Bible says, what God says. And let that be sort of the guide, not sort of, but let that be the guide for our educational um, pursuits. But you see in this that education plays a big role in the family, um, that, that they're supposed to take what they've been commanded and pass it on diligently to their children. And, and then you see this, not just this um, education happening in the con- in the confines of a classroom, but it, it spreads out. Um, obviously, a classroom is a place where uh, y- there's focused effort in passing on this knowledge, um, but it's something that gets spread out. Um, and so um, throughout all of life as you go, so as you're driving, um, you're educating your kid as you as you talk, as you go on your your nature walks, as you go on on prayer walks through your neighborhood. Um, your house should be marked by signs. You should put it up in front of your face, so the lens that you look through is reminded you of of God, of His statutes, and and what it looks like to live in His world in a way that leads to human flourishing. So so we have that Old Testament passage, and and I, honestly, the Proverbs. Um, you could go through all the Proverbs. That's really a father passing information, knowledge onto his son, passing wisdom on. So you see that that educational relationship. You see in Ephesians chapter 6, this this command that God gives to, to fathers specifically. I think this this also applies to, to mothers too, um, by extension. He says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, a lot of times we, we go right to bring them up in the discipline and instruction or fear and admonition or um, padaya of the Lord. Um, but I think we also need to look at the beginning of that verse where it says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Now, a lot of times um, people look at that, and, and I think this, it does mean this, um, don't go 
antagonizing your children. Don't go um, unnecessarily causing difficulty and heartache in your in your kids' lives. Uh, I, I do think that that's a facet of not provoking your children to anger. Um, I think that that by the way that we demonstrate self control, the fruit of the spirit, um, that that prevents us from from diving headlong into provoking our children to anger. But there's this other aspect of provoking your children to anger that comes by abdication, that comes by uh, the fear of omission, which would be to not instruct your children in the discipline the f- uh, and instruction of the Lord or the fear and admonition of the Lord, that, that you actually hold back from them the the rich treasury of, of God's wisdom uh, for living in this world. And so we don't want to provoke our children or in, in some, I think King James says, do not provoke your children to wrath, right? One of the ways that we can lead our children to God's wrath is by um, not providing for them a thoroughly Christian education. And so we have to take first that that command here of, of uh, Ephesians 6, 4, but then also look at bring them up in the discipline and instruction or the padea of the Lord. Now, this, this is a word that we don't have a really great Great, um, English translation for of padea, um, but this would have been very. This would have been an understood thing um, for for the audience um, who are reading this originally in, in Greek. Um, padea was this concept of of enculturation, so it had this this intellectual pursuit. Um, it had this sort of um, character defining aspect of of um, instilling virtue um, and nobility in, in the student. Um, but there's also this enculturation thing that that there's a an environment that's been set up to saturate kids in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And one of the things that public school leaves us wanting as Christians is the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It's like it, they, they ejected that um, at the front door, and that's no longer a thing. So these are scriptures that we as Christian parents ought to take um, and, and give them their full weight of authority and see, okay, God actually does have um, some very specific things, specific commands for us as Christian parents uh, that we need to follow through on to be faithful to God and to um, to love our children well. Um, and, and providing a Christian education is one of those. Now, what I wanted to say here um, earlier, and then I got sidetracked and now I'm back to it, um, is talking about those who are um, who are in a position where they, they realize one of the things that I want to help you see is that public school education is not conducive to what you're trying to achieve in discipleship. Okay. I, I don't think anybody's going to fight me too hard on that based on um, the content that kids bring home in their textbooks, whether it be the science classroom, whether it be in social studies, um, whether it be with the DEI and some of the intersectionality stuff that has, has made its way into the school systems. Um, it's easy to see that, that intellectual piece of, of the public school leaves us wanting for sure that, that there's an absence of the discipline and instruction of the Lord. But there's also this aspect of enculturation. Like you, you have you have an environment that is untethered, that it doesn't have the command. I mean, there, there's rules in the schools, okay? Um, but they're not necessarily God's rules. They're not the rules that are actually going to lead us to the abundant life. Um, and, and so you get to a place where the public school isn't necessarily conducive for that. Now, I, I think that there are people out there 
that look at that and say, yeah, I, I get that, but public school is my only option. I, um, both my, my husband and I, we work, so um, homeschooling is out of the question. Um, when you start to look at the cost, tuition costs for, for private Christian schools, you say, oh, man, that's way outside of our reach. Um, or maybe, and, and honestly, I would say if you examine it thoroughly, um, that might not be the case. In, in fact, your life might actually need to undergo some sort of sacrifices in order to, to do what the Lord has been um, calling you to. So that means maybe vacations look different. Maybe the house that we live in looks different. Maybe the neighborhood, maybe the, our, our, our quality of life, not the quality of life, what a standard of living. That's what I was after. You're going to have a better quality of life. Um, uh, those things need to be examined and asked, okay, are, are there sacrifices that we can make to, to move in this direction? Um, but for those who maybe at the time, whether it's from like foster care, I know that, that if you're um, fostering children, um, they're required. They're required to go to state schools. And so you, you kind of have your hands tied and, and so I, I want to give you some encouragement here because um, while the public school is not going to discipline, give you, bring your child up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, um, that, that means that you need to be very, very thorough and uh, intentional about the things that your child is being exposed to and what you do at home to counteract um, that the other eight hours of their day, that they're learning things that are not from a biblical worldview. Um, they're, they're absorbing things from the culture of the school that are not profitable for godliness and godly living um, and, and do a real good work being very thorough um, with, with the stuff that they're being exposed to. And so that means that you're probably going to have to have, um, at night, you're going to have to spend a couple hours um, going through your kids' homework, asking them about what they learned. Maybe you've, you've got to get the textbook in advance and and do some of the studying. You've got to get ahead of the curve and anticipate um, objections and say, and when things that come up that are contrary to a biblical worldview, to be able to address those things. Now, I know that there are families um, in our church that are in that situation. I know of families, um, even in our sister church at Davenport, that have kids in the public school system, and, and for them to be faithful to the command that the Lord has given, they have to do a lot of, of due diligence and searching through things um, that their kids are exposed to and doing a lot of counteractive, it's like proactive and, and sort of defensive discipleship, um, offensive and defensive discipleship in order to, to give their kids, to present to their kids the foundation on which they can build their life. Now, if, if, you, um, if you're thinking about this, um, I... I love I love talking about this, and I think this is a subject that that every Christian parent needs to explore um, and step into thoughtfully. Um, and so I, I want to make myself available to you. And I, I realize I, I say some of this stuff, and it sounds offensive. It sounds it sounds like I'm I'm condemning. And, and again, I'm not trying to condemn. I'm I'm trying to present to you the facts and help you um, objectively examine some of these options that are out there. And, and I do realize that at sometimes um, th- that's what has to happen. Like that, in this season of life, um, public school is is the only option that's on the table. And so, if that's the case, um, I just want to encourage you: don't don't just hand them over to the schools. Don't just hand them over. Um, Vody Bakum says we shouldn't be surprised when we send our kids um, to Caesar, um, you know, the the state, and, and when they come back, they come back as Romans. Um, and so, we should not be caught off guard by that reality. And and what he's he's making he's making a nod here to the first century and and the enculturation, the pedia that happened in in Greek. Uh, uh, in, in Greek history, um, 
kids would get disciplined in in the Greek values. And he's saying here, we need to, to divorce from that. We need to find, uh, we need to pursue a Christian padea and give our kids a thoroughly Christian education. So if you're in that spot, um, I want to talk to you. I want to help work through this with you. In fact, one of the things that, that I would love to see our church do as we move into the future is become a better support to families that are looking to pursue alternate uh, options to to what the public school is, and and knowing that it comes at great cost, it comes it comes at a price. And and what I want to say, the price of pursuing an alternate education, a, a Christian education, is nothing compared to to watching your kids walk away from the faith. And and I don't want that for any of our children. I don't want that for any of your kids. Um, I I want to see them walk faithfully with the Lord all of the days of their life. And that's really why um, I'm breaching this subject in such uh, a a direct way, um, trying to, to lay things out in a way that hopefully is cohesive. Um, and so this is just getting things started. As we, we talk about education from a general perspective, seeing what Scripture commands, um, looking, examining the the most popular um, option that, that parents have, the free option of, of government schools, and, and saying, is this really free? The cost of sending my kids to public school, is it really free? And, and start exploring that. So um, I love you guys. I wouldn't be talking about this with you if I didn't love you. I, I wouldn't, you know, if, if I loved you more than I love the Word of God, I'd just be saying, hey, you guys keep doing what you're doing. Um, but I love you, and I want to help you through this. I want to disciple you through this hard decision uh, and, and examining, hey, is now the time? Um, and now, you know, I'm, I'm doing this in December where you've got time to think about it for the coming up uh, school year. You, you don't have to make a, uh, an abrupt decision now, but at least to get the, the ideas, the thoughts flowing and lay this conversation out. So um, I'll leave it at that for right now. And obviously there's more to talk about. We're going to talk about next episode, um, the different options of Christian education as far as private school goes. And then um, I'm going to be bringing on a guest, Melissa Corns, to talk about Christian homeschooling, more from a, a practitioner's perspective. Uh, and I'm looking looking forward to sharing that with you. So uh, I love you guys. I can't wait to, to gather together again um, and worship Jesus and celebrate uh, what he's done for us in the gospel and, and see that this life that he's called us to is really filled uh, with its hardship, but there's a lot of glory there for us. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys. Uh, talk to you soon. If you have any questions about this, shoot me an email, sam at sacredcitychurch.com. Love to hear from you.